0: in the blank with me. Rockabye baby on the when the wind blows the cradle will. When the bow breaks the cradle will and down will come baby. We say things and learn things that are just oftentimes really weird you ever thought about that we all have that memorized and we just say it and I just want to throw the words up on the screen and would you be willing just to read that one more time and go what what did what did I just sing and say and that's supposed to be like a comforting thing like we sing as kids like oh it's just a nice fun song you read it and you look at the words and go oh, that's weird right uh, that's called the lullaby effect and oftentimes when we read God's Word, we read it with the lullaby effect. I know this story. I know what this says. I know what this is about. And we just read it. And we just kind of move on. But the reality is, do we actually really read it, hear it, and see it with fresh eyes? And that's actually my hope for you this afternoon, this evening, is whether this is the first time you're hearing the story of Jesus coming and being born, or whether this is your 10th time, your 25th time, your 50th time, that you would look at it with fresh eyes, fresh ears, fresh hearts, because I believe this, that God has something for you today, no matter how many times you've heard it. Luke chapter 2 tells the story of our Messiah, our King, coming. And it says this, In the days of Caesar, Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, there to register with Mary. Uh, or to the town of David because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time had come for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. If you're willing to read it, and read it not with, oh, I know this story, there's a couple questions that we have to be willing to take a look at. And the first question is this, is what is a census? What happens at a census? This is what happens with a census. As you can tell, it's extremely inconvenient. Because you have to pack up everything as a family and go to your, what's it say in the text? You have to go to your Hometown. And so imagine all of you that have lived here, and maybe you live in the Treasure Valley. You have to, I was born in Boise. I would have to just go from Kuna, where I live now, and go to Boise. Not that bad. Some of you are from California, from Washington, from Oregon, from Arizona, wherever you name your state. Uh, Boston, I know I got a friend of mine that's here in Bo- from Boston. He'd pack up everything, go clear back to his hometown, to his family, and be a part of the census. Not only is it inconvenient, if you don't know, Rome is a ruthless, brutal government. You're going there so that they would take a census. What is that? You're there to pay taxes. And most likely, your tax bill is going to be absurd and most likely your family is entering into a home of your hometown and you're going, how are we going to pay this bill? And the Roman government knows that you probably can't pay it. But it's part of their, their regime to, to exert power, to exert control, to enforce their their power over you. And honestly, if you can't pay it, they'll strong arm you like slavery is a serious like situation taking your daughters away is like a serious thing that happens and so when Mary and Joseph when when Joseph packs up Mary and they head to the hometown of Bethlehem this isn't like oh a road trip that's joyous like it's full of fear it's full of worry it's full of anxiety it's full of stress and this is what they're entering into. And when Joseph enters into the town, he's a part of the Davidic kingdom. So he's essentially royal. And when he goes home, it's, it's a home that's kind of like what we do with Christmas Eve and Christmas. How many of you guys are joining family this Christmas Eve, Christmas? Like your, your home's a little bit more full than what it normally is, right? This is what would happen during a census. Everyone comes to your home. Now here's the thing. They didn't have 2,000 square foot homes, they had little homes. But it doesn't matter in the, in the culture of the Israelites. Like, you offer your home and hospitality if you're an Israelite. Like, this is what you do. You take the shirt off your back and you give it to someone else. When you go to Israel, you experience this. We think we're good at hospitality. We're horrible at hospitality compared to them. Because it's part of the actual DNA of their nation that, that Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And they understood that when you offer hospitality, you're not just offering hospitality to your family, you're actually doing it in service to God. And so the home would be full, and it would be chaotic, and it would be stressful because they're trying to figure out how are we actually going to pay this tax with a full home, lots of people, lots of kids, lots of grandkids. But what's weird is like oftentimes we think of Mary and Joseph going to their hometown, and not going to their home home, but instead like looking for room at the. So, you know the word I'm looking for? At the inn, exactly. That's the word that we think about. There's no room at the inn, and even though that's what we think about, that's actually not even in the story. Like they're not looking for an inn. They're not looking for a hotel room. They're not. They're looking to go back to home. And then IV has started changing the translation. They don't use the word and. Did you catch the word? There was no guest room, which is the proper translation. Guest room. That word is cataluma. Everybody say cataluma this afternoon. (laughs) Cataluma. It's different than the word in because it's your actual home. And in the first century, this is what the home looked like. I wanna show you this graphic. This is what a Palestinian home would look like. You see, there would be a stable that would be an enclosure where you would have your animals come and then there would be a manger and that manger was actually where you fed your animals and was actually a part of your living room. So you'd have your living room, your stable, and then you would have a guest room. And the guest room is where you offered a place to stay for strangers, for family members to come whenever they showed up. But especially when the census came up, your house was packed. And this is the story that we see, but did you notice like what it says in the text? There was no guest room Available for them. That's a really odd statement. Because if you think about it, like David's, or Joseph's going to his hometown with Mary, and he's going to his home. Where hospitality is normal and where you're welcomed in and you're loved, you're taken care of, and we're definitely got to come together because we've got a tax bill, we've gotta figure out. And not only that, but in addition to that, we know that Joseph is bringing his wife who is. Now, I don't know about you, but every single society that I have ever seen, if a woman is pregnant and coming into the home, like who gets all the attention? The pregnant woman, right? If there's anybody that should have been allowed to have the guest room, it would be Mary. But they don't get the guest room. They're not served, given hospitality. They're in the living room with the manger and the stable, not a barn part of the house but I don't know about you like I live in CUNA some of you guys get that (laughs) because you've been out to CUNA like there's an odor out in CUNA right I know the mess animals make and that's where Jesus is found not in the guest room not in the nice place but in the living room where animals are fed Why wouldn't Jesus, why wouldn't Mary be given the guest room? We don't know. For sure. But maybe it's because Joseph's family is embarrassed with the story that Mary and Joseph are telling. You're pregnant, Mary, by the Holy Spirit? Really? I don't think you know how that works. The looks, the comments, the things that were said. Maybe they didn't believe Joseph. Maybe they didn't believe Mary. Maybe they would have wished that Joseph, like it said in the text, just, why didn't you just divorce her quietly? You're bringing her with you? We don't know why they weren't allowed to have the guest room. But whatever the reason, there wasn't room for Jesus. Jesus. They didn't make room for Jesus. And they were actually welcoming in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, in the living room. Here's another picture to give you an idea. A lot of times they would actually put the manger in the, the stall in a cave and then build a house. So there might even be a ob- reality that Jesus was born in a cave, not in a home, but in a cave. That's why some of our pictures that we experience in TV scene are like this one where you've seen them in a cave because that's often how their houses were built. The animals would be in the bottom of the cave and the house would be up above the cave. But whatever the reason, there wasn't room for Jesus. They didn't make room for Jesus. And here's what's amazing about Jesus. Even though there wasn't room for Jesus, for Jesus. Jesus came anyway. Jesus came anyway and the reality is is this is the story of the Bible. This all leads to this reality. the story of the Bible is a story of God coming in the flesh at home here on earth, even when his own people would not welcome him, He came anyways. And here's the thing, as you can tell from the situation, it was probably a really messy situation, a really messy situation, not only in the fact that he's being born, hanging out with other animals that make a mess, but even in regards to the family that was going on and in the, in the economy that was happening and the darkness that was happening, Jesus comes and he enters into the mess, even though people aren't necessarily welcoming him. And it reminds me of my own life. That even though I don't make room for Jesus, Jesus comes anyway. Oswald Chambers puts it this way. Jesus Christ became incarnate for one purpose, to make a way back to God that man man might stand before him as he was created to do. What's that? The friend and lover of God himself. The Bible says that none of us are perfect, and that all of us have a thing called sin, that we choose not to trust him, we choose not to follow him, we choose not to make room for Jesus, but Jesus says, I'm gonna come and die for you anyways because I love you. I don't love you because I died for you. I love you, therefore, I will die for you, and hopefully, you would choose to become a friend of mine, a lover of mine. And the story of the nativity scene is a story of of Jesus saying, even though they don't make room for me, I'm going to come anyways. And I'm going to come in the midst of the mess. And I want to tell you this Christmas that Jesus doesn't ignore your mess. He comes and he enters right into it. He enters into it and he meets you in that place. And he comes this Christmas, just like he did then, knocking on a door, asking for room. In the guest room, Jesus today is coming and he's knocking, and saying, Do I have room to actually be in your life? Do I have room to actually enter into your heart? Will you make room for me? Or will you shut me out? And for some of you, we are here December 24th, and this is the first time maybe you're thinking, Where does Jesus fit into Christmas this year in my life? Where does he fit? and for some of you, you might be saying well I, I wouldn't be like that family like I wouldn't shut Jesus out I would have welcomed my, him in and the family in and I would have opened up my spare bedroom and said this place is yours and, and you say I wouldn't do that but let me ask you this question what has Jesus been inviting you into and you keep shutting him out well nothing okay All the law and the commandments, Jesus says, all of God's word, it can all be summed up with love God and love your neighbor. How's your family doing this Christmas? That's good. (laughs) For some of you, it's not good. Do you have brokenness in your family that you refuse to let Jesus into? And if that's the case, you're shutting Jesus out. You're saying, Jesus, there's no room for you here. Have you shut people out in your life because you hurt? What does it look like for you to start letting room for Jesus in that situation? We've got a some people in our church that this Christmas are choosing not to shut Jesus out of their family in the midst of deep hurt. One of my dear friends that attends this church had to hear the news that his 37 year old cousin, who he was close to growing up, died tragically. 37 years old. This guy was a man among men. He was a green beret in the military, and he suddenly died. And he wanted to go back home and go to his funeral and honor him, but he couldn't because six years ago, because of choices of some family members, there was deep hurt and deep division that still resides today. And he had to watch that funeral online and weep online separate from his family. In addition, as he watched this funeral, there was a video to Remember this cousin and his entire family was removed from all the pictures, all the video, all of it because there's still deep hurt. And they're Christians. Now, he could choose all the things that are the opposite of advent this Christmas. He could choose the opposite of peace. He could choose the opposite of faith. He could choose the opposite of hope. He could choose the opposite of love. But he's choosing, along with his sister, not to shut Jesus out, but instead to welcome Jesus in by simply doing this. Him and his sister are writing a letter to the family to say, Will you please let us back in? Will you please allow our family to be family again? Will you choose forgiveness? Will you choose reconciliation? Will you choose to allow us to be a part of your family? And I'm so thankful for my friend because this Christmas, as he's mourning the loss of his cousin, he's saying, Jesus, help me to enter into the mess. Help me to enter into the mess because he could choose to not enter into the mess. He could choose all the other things, but he's saying, I want to experience Jesus this Christmas, and I want my family to experience Jesus this Christmas. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm praying for a miracle in the hearts of this family, but this is what I do know. Whatever the outcome is, he'll continue to walk faithfully because he loves Jesus. Whatever the outcome is in this life and the next life. But I want to tell you the outcome in my own life. And for those of you that have been a part of your life, you already know part of my story. But I'm telling you, 13 years ago, when we had our first Christmas Eve service, my mom wasn't in the Christmas Eve service. My dad wasn't in the Christmas Eve service. My brother wasn't in the Christmas Eve service. None of my family was in the Christmas Eve service. But I'm telling you here today, because... We chose to enter into the mess because we chose to let Jesus have room in our lives and they have chosen to let Jesus have room in their lives. My mom's here, my grandma's here, my aunt's here, my brother's here. (laughs) Will you let Jesus into your heart this Christmas? Will you let him enter into your mess? And I want to tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy. But if you're willing to enter in, miracles can begin to take place because Jesus is the miracle worker. When we're willing to trust him and trust who he says he is, like it says in Isaiah, lives begin to start changing miracles begin to take place for a child has been born listen to what it says about who jesus is for a child has been born the message says for us the gift of a son for what's to say for us for you and me he'll take over the running of the world his names will be amazing counselor strong god eternal father prince of wholeness peace His ruling authority will grow and there'll be no limits to the wholeness peace he brings. He'll rule from the historic David throne over that promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and right living, beginning now and lasting always. Will you trust Jesus and what he says he is, and will you live that way that he can bring peace to your life, that he can bring peace to your family, that he can work miracles in the midst of the mess and the pain that we experience in our lives because that's how he came into the world, saying, I'm gonna redeem and restore and forgive and make this all right where it seems like it's all wrong. So will you make room for him in your heart this Christmas? The last book of the Bible Jesus says, look, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Will you make room for him this Christmas? The next part of Luke, it says that the angels appeared to the shepherds. And as they appeared to the shepherds and told them about Jesus coming... It says this in verse 16, that the shepherds hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who had heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which the, which were just as they had been told. You see, The shepherds, who were people that weren't valued in their society, made room for Jesus and Jesus sought them out. And as they made room for Jesus, they go and start telling the world, telling the community, this is the Jesus, the one we've been waiting for. And when we as God's people make room for Jesus, when we allow him to come into our mess, when we allow his words to begin to change us, here's the thing. The way we live, the way we talk, the way we interact with people, we begin to tell others about this Messiah who died for us. And as our lives are changed and as we tell other people about our lives being changed, their lives become changed and other people's lives become changed and it becomes this multiplication movement that we've actually are a part of today. All these years later, we're here gathering on Christmas Eve. Why? Because Jesus came and started changing people's lives and he's still doing it today. And he's inviting us to to really make room for him again this Christmas to continue to see lives being changed. And so some of you this afternoon, I just, let's break it down. Some of you this Christmas need to allow Jesus into your life for the first time. Some of you need to decide that Jesus is who he says he is. And I'm gonna ask for forgiveness for the life that I've lived apart from him, but I wanna live with him from here on out. Some of you need to reach out to a family member this Christmas and ask for forgiveness because you wronged somebody. And when they ask you, why all these years, why now? You say, because I realize that Jesus loved me and forgave me and I wronged you. and I'm asking you for forgiveness and Jesus calls me to that. Some of you need to reach out to your family and you need to tell them you've forgiven them. That you've shut them out. Jesus is inviting you into a miracle offer reconciliation and forgiveness some of you are going my family's good right my family's good I'm good I don't have a mess in my family right now that's awesome praise Jesus for that here's my challenge and plea to you would you be willing to enter into someone else's mess and just sit with them it's like man that's a lot of work yep it is and Jesus did that for us he entered into the mess and he sat with us, and he redeemed it, and he restored it, and Jesus is inviting you to do the same this Christmas Eve. As we close out every single year here at Life Ministries, we sing Silent Night, and we sing Silent Night, and we light these candles, and it really is this amazing picture of light coming into darkness, and as light comes into darkness, it redeems, it restores. And as these candles are being lit, not only is your candle being lit, but we're asking you, inviting you, to then light your partner's candle, your neighbor's candle. Why? Because it's the same exact picture I just talked about. It's a picture of Jesus changing your life, coming and being born in a manger, and now, You're invited to help change someone else's life. So as we light these candles, I just want you to think about that. That your life is meant to be an invitation for Jesus to change your life, that you would change someone else's life. So will you stand with us as we sing Silent Night this Christmas?